the sacrifice that we talked about yesterday um, on both ends of the floor. When you see the ball movement, the player movement, um, it's it's impressive. And I thought it gave us a lot of energy tonight. When you play in point five and you move the ball around like that, it's it's fun basketball. And but I expressed to the guys, it's not always going to be that way. Monty Williams following yesterday's uh, Suns win in San Antonio, and man, what a what a game! One thirty three to ninety five, a game that was close for a quarter. Uh, the Suns dominated the second quarter, thirty six to eleven, and you heard, uh, and the, the the rest was history at that point. It was academic, but you heard uh, Monty Williams talking about what he liked from that game. If you like ball movement, uh, you really liked yesterday's game. 38 assists for the Suns on 49 baskets. Nobody had more than 25 points. Everybody that played scored except for Dwayne Washington Jr., who played only 3 minutes and 10 seconds. That was a top-to-bottom win. And, you know, bouncing back, uh, Tim ring in for Bick t- uh, today and this week uh, here on uh, Bickley and Murata Mornings. Bouncing back, Tim, from that loss against Houston on uh, Friday. <laughs> When the Suns are kind of in a situation, we talked about this briefly earlier, about overreaction to individual losses, but there seems to be a lot of conclusion. When when there is a loss and some Suns fans will pick apart the loss to the point where everything becomes absolute. Well, DeAndre Ayton at 8-7. and seven. He stinks again. Dario Saric really struggled in the starting lineup. He can't play with Ayton. Josh Okoge, he, he's not doing much for, 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 this, for this team right now. You see Ayton bounce back yesterday. Dario Saric looked like a completely different player in his second start. And can we talk about how hard that is for Dario Saric, who wasn't playing at all? And then all of a sudden, hey, you're starting. Hey, go start. Go start and play 25 minutes. Contribute. You might have rust. He was great yesterday. But that's part of the criticism, though, also, was why throw him into the starting lineup after not playing for so long? Well, I mean that's pretty. That's part of being a pro, man. You got to you got you got to be ready. When Tory Craig goes down, who is a backup himself in the starting lineup, yes. you got to be ready to go. Josh Okogie, by the way, yesterday Okogie was a stat stuffer for making shots. Fantastic. Uh, he was plus. He had the best plus minus of the whole team. Plus thirty one. And had eleven rebounds and six assists. Couple Three things. Steals. Couple things. The the thirty eight assists were a season high. And when you knock down nineteen threes, mm-hmm. uh, that happens. Not only are you making your shots. I mean, they shot fifty. What is it? Fifty one percent from from three point mm-hmm. range. But that's a product of getting open looks to Vinny, and that's a product of ball movement and sharing the ball and making the extra pass and that's how you have a season high 38 assists Mm -hmm. but the other number and this kind of goes to what you were just talking about um rebounding after a loss the suns are now 35 and 10 since the beginning of last season in games following a loss that's the best record in the nba you remember Chris Berman talking about the Buffalo Bills back in the day? Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. In the NBA, nobody that's, circles the wagons like the Phoenix Suns. That's got to be a, since the beginning of last year. Well, they haven't lost 45 games in that span, have they? Where are my notes? I, I, I get your point. I mean, we don't have to haggle over the numbers. But. 30, 30, they were th- 34... 34 since the beginning of last okay, season, you're, you're, you're are right, thirty-four you're, and ten. You're right. You're right. Yeah, thirty-four and ten in games following a defeat. Okay, best in the NBA because they lost twenty-one games in the finals year. They lost eighteen last year, thirty-nine and six. Okay, that that totally checks out. My yes. bad. Yes. Um, Don't yeah. correct me on the air, Vince. <laughs> 
<laughs> so they're now 35 and 10 since the beginning of last year. So anyway. Um, but that shows you something. But it, it, it shows you something. And... It's unfortunately, it's unfortunate we're not talking about an eight-game winning streak last right now mm-hmm. because that Rockets game was a you know a, 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 a kick in a kick in the gut because you had that late lead in the third quarter and you let it slip away. Mm-hmm. And you're right, pe- people will make a definitive determination about Da and about Saric after a loss. That loss shouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. It's one thing if they they would have if the Sixers or Bucks would have come back and stung them at the at the footprint on Friday night. But it was a team like the Rockets that did it, and that's what that's what kind of bothers you about that game. But these things happen in the NBA, mm-hmm. and the Suns, as they are prone to do, always find a way to answer the bell. And that's a bad Spurs team, but the Suns did what they were supposed to do and led that game by 30 at the half, and it was over. Three games and four nights is the stretch that they're in right now. Um with Dallas, it's weird too. They get the the back to back to back games against the Texas teams, but not all in Texas. One in Phoenix, two in Texas, and they get by far the best of the three teams from Texas tonight. Luka Doncic and the Mavericks, who are still floundering at about five hundred, and Luka himself this year has just again gone to a different level. But it hasn't led to team success. We know about the connections of these two teams, and I know it's just one game in early December, Tim. But uh, anytime you get Booker against Doncic now, it's a big game. And this is the Suns' first trip to Dallas since that playoff series a year ago. They won the opener in a game that Dallas looked like they were going to blow them out again. The Suns came back and won. Um, this, I mean, going into it, I kind of view this as maybe an opportunity for a statement game for the Suns. They go in there, they're shorthanded. I know on the broadcast yesterday, Tom Leander was talking about maybe Chris Paul coming back for Wednesday night against the Celtics. Don't expect him back tonight. But if the Suns can go to Dallas and beat the Mavericks on their floor, that that's kind of a statement for the rest of the league, I think. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. And Luke is going to be a handful, of course. And Mikel Bridges is going to take that defensive assignment on. And that's why it was great yesterday that Bridges and Booker were on the bench in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And they took care of business, and Mikel got that rest, and he'll be ready to go tonight against against Luka. Well, can we talk about Mikel Bridges for a second, too? Uh, sure, absolutely. I left the arena on Friday night convinced that we had seen the end of the Mikel Bridges streak. He hyperextended his knee late, and when Mikel Bridges shows any discomfort, it just looks weird because he plays through everything. Comes out afterwards, he said, yeah, I think I hyperextended and I'm going to get it checked out. Then early yesterday, you're up, Mikel Bridges is going to go. And shows no ill effects of anything. No. We're wearing a sleeve on, on, on that leg, but six of seven from three-point range. It is, I mean, you want to talk about amazing. In this day and age, and maybe it stands out again because the way things have changed, but when you have a guy that is so willing to be available for his team, it's inspiring, man. He tied a career high with uh, six threes yesterday. I mean, that's... And they were all from all over the court, too. Mm-hmm. He, and they were, I mean, and they, they were... Yeah, I think he hit from both corners. They he were hit yeah, straight away. He hit a couple from the wing. They were all over the place. And they were contested. I mean, he, he did, they weren't wide open. And he was defending. Here's Monty talking about uh, Mikel. And the injury and playing through it and all that. I mean, I'm sure it scared everybody to see him the way we did the other day. And then um, you're bracing, you know, you don't know what kind of report you're going to get. But um, what 
what a blessing it was to be able to win like this and he didn't have to play heavy minutes tonight. That gives him more time to heal. Um, but, you know, I have to say he's he's a joy to coach, a joy to be around because he wants to play he wants to compete. He never ducks an opportunity to defend the best player. Like, what else can you say? So when when the soreness comes up or whatever comes up from an injury standpoint, I, I want to protect him as I do all the guys. But once I got the clearance that he was okay, it's like, all right, go. You know, because I know you want to be out there. 332 straight games for Mikel Bridges. And again, that mentality... That just does not exist at a widespread level in the NBA. It's you got a bump, you got a bruise. All right, I'm going to sit this one out. And he just does not think that way. It's fantastic. And he got 26 minutes yesterday, by the way. 20, 26 minutes, which is nothing for him. Oh, <laughs> well, it's great. I mean, that's what I'm saying. He, he was he, he got to he got to sit out the fourth quarter like Booker did as well. Mavericks are struggling a little bit. I mean, they were 11 and 11 mm-hmm. on the year. Lucas Lucas at 33. Luca's averaging 33 points a game. Luca's leading them not only in scoring but also rebounds and assists. 33. His rebound and assist numbers are exactly the same. 8.6 a game. <laughs> and they're 11 and 11. Maybe 11 and 12 after tonight. Sun's uh, 6.30 tip, 6 o'clock pregame on the Arizona Sports app and 98.7. Have you subscribed to the Bickley and Murata Show podcast? Subscribe right now on your iPhone or Android. Never miss any of the show. It's the Bickley and Murata podcast. It's brought to you by Carol Royce Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Coming up next, a busy weekend of college football. The playoff field is set. And there's a new coaching energy in the Pac-12. We'll get into it next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings with Tim Ring in for Bick today here on uh, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The college football playoff field for 2022-2023 is set. Um, And I know there was a lot of people probably worried about what was going to be announced yesterday after the way the weekend started. USC got run out of Allegiant Stadium by uh, Utah in the Pac-12 championship game after starting off very strong, by the way. Uh, So Utah wins the back-to-back Pac-12 championships and uh, that means the Trojans squander their, their spot. But also, you see Kansas State beat TCU, Tim, uh, in the Big 12 championship game. And I think a lot of people thought, oh, all right, Ohio State's going to get in, and maybe you can make a case for Alabama bou- bouncing back in. Even with two losses and not participating in championship weekend, it did not happen. Uh, Ohio State does get the fourth spot, but Alabama on the outside looking in. Alabama had two losses. And no two-loss team had ever made the college football playoff. There had been precedent for a team that had entered the conference championship game undefeated, Mm -hmm. losing, and still staying in the top four. Mm -hmm. Happened in 2020 when Notre Dame lost to Clemson in the ACC championship game and they stayed in the top four. Because that team had one loss. And they were not going to be penalized for making the conference championship game, losing, and then losing their spot. I understand the argument. Nick Saban got himself quite the pulpit 
on Saturday night mm-hmm. on national TV. Mm-hmm. Do you Did really you understand the argument, though? I understand the argument. Yeah, Jared, the argument is you put the four best teams in the playoffs. Are you going to argue that Alabama is not a better team then than why TCU? why play any games at all, ever? <laughs> like, what, are you, what are you talking about? I, why, why is Alabama, why would Alabama get Jared, in ahead of Tennessee? Jared, Tennessee has the same record and beat Alabama. Jared, don't argue. I didn't say I agree with the argument. I said I understand the argument. Well, I don't even understand the argument. That's how dumb I am. Well, the, the the argument would be the argument would be like who's a better football team, Alabama and Tennessee. The other the other argument, the correct one, is at some point what you do on the field has to matter. Yes. And Alabama played itself out of the playoff. Otherwise, just look at the recruiting rankings every year and the amount of pro prospects on your team and put them in the playoff. Like I, I, but I, I USC do. deserved it ahead of Alabama. Okay, USC now, has two losses, both to the same team. Who's a top ten team? Right. Well, I think Alabama would beat USC by about four touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I guess we'll have to I, wait till I, two years from now to find out. It's interesting. A, a friend of mine who produces college football for ESPN said the same thing to me on Saturday night. And I, he's like, well, USC would go in over Alabama if they were going to, you know, boot TCU out. I'm like, there's no way that would happen. I yeah, I agree. There's no way that would happen, but I'm just saying. I mean, but but look at the final rankings. Alabama was fifth. USC was tenth. Uh-huh. That's how little the committee thought of USC. And you could make the case that, well, after the top four, what does it matter? Well, it. I mean, they're not just throwing darts at the rest of the rankings. They they they're showing you how we feel. These rankings play out, and they they have Alabama fifth. In other words, Alabama yeah. was the first team out, and we think this little of USC. So don't tell me it would have come down to Alabama or USC for that fifth spot. It came, if if TCU was knocked out, uh, Alabama would have been would have been the, the next team in. It's given the fact that they finished fifth. I'm glad TCU stayed in there. I mean, I understand that Alabama's probably better than TCU, but at some point you have to be rewarded for what you do during the season. Yeah, I, and I totally agree with that, and I'm glad TCU stayed as well, even though they had the, the blemish in, in the championship game. Um, but the way I view it going into this again, and it it really makes you wonder about expanding from four teams to 12 teams in 2024, I think there's one team that is clearly above everybody else with respect to Michigan, who's a very good team, I don't think they can hang with Georgia. I think that's what we're going to see in the in the championship game. But Georgia, again, to me, is is head and shoulders above everybody. And at the very least, this would have been a BCS a year where the BCS would have worked. It would, and nobody would have had arguments. Every year, you can say the BCS would have worked. When's the last time we saw a competitive one four game in yep. the playoffs? But there's been years where there's been three undefeated teams. Yes, and that's where it gets. Uh, fuzzy. Uh, Away from the playoffs, the other big college football story over the weekend, Jackson State, uh, they win the SWAC championship. Deion Sanders goes from the SWAC championship to Boulder, Colorado, the new head coach of the University of Colorado, and his uh, opening messages to some of the team team members for the Buffaloes, a little bit interesting, like uh, this one. We got a few positions already taken care of because I'm bringing my luggage with me. Here's Louie. It ain't gonna be no more of the mess that these wonderful fans, the student body, and some of your parents have put up with for probably two decades now. I'm coming. And when I get here, it's gonna be changed. So I want y'all to get ready. 
to go ahead and jump in that portal and do whatever you're gonna get. Because the more you jump in, the more room you make. Because we bring kids. That's smart. Say that smart. Smart. Tough. Smart and tough. Uh, we're we're bringing in kids that are smart and tough, unlike you guys. I know. So go ahead and hit the portal. Yeah, people, people pointing out that his charisma is so big, he got the people to chant along with him about the people that are going to replace them. <laughs> I, I, I want to say, like, your, your, your parents have been putting up with this for too long. <laughs> like, you're losers. <laughs> right. your, your parents don't even want to put up with you guys anymore. Oh, I can't hit wait that to portal. replace you. Oh, I can't wait. Hit that portal. You know, Bye. You know for, for him to roll in there like he's Nick Saban, he hadn't even coached a day in the Power Five yet. Nope. And Colorado is way down. They won one game this year. One. Uh, I mean, we shouldn't be surprised that he that Deion Sanders rolls in with a lot of bravado. He's bringing his luggage with him, Tim. I'm bringing my luggage with Louis. me. And it's Louie. baby. <laughs> Good for you. I mean, uh, all right, we'll that's see. That's certainly one way to approach it. I... I it would be impossible to disagree with Dion's assertion that recruiting will not improve greatly under his watch in Colorado. Immediately. But um, recruiting does not always mean success. And I look at this, I think this is a very short-term stay for for Dion Sanders in Colorado. And I'm not saying it one way or the other. Either he's right and he's prophetic and he's going to you know, rip this league apart. And if that's the case, he's on to greener pastures. But there's also a real possibility of what you're suggesting. This is a different animal. And even though it's the Pac-12 and it's not exactly the strongest of the Power Five conferences, it's much different from getting dominance in the SWAC. He's going up against some established X's and O's. Head coaches and coaching staffs. Now, we'll see who he brings with him from a staff standpoint. Yes. We already know he's bringing his son with him to play quarterback, which is a huge upgrade because Colorado's quarterback play over the last couple of years has been historically bad. Okay, but his, I, but I, his, son, was, his son was doing well in uh, Jackson State. Let's see how his son yes. does against you know Pac-12 defenses and Power 5 defenses. I'm still confident in saying that that's game. an upgrade. Um, okay, I also well, think this is interesting, too, because this coincides with something we talked about in the ASU co- coaching search, and they get Kenny Dillingham. The landscape of this conference is changing, and USC had a very good year. They look to have their footing underneath them again with Lincoln Riley as their head coach, but they're on their way out. Sanders coming in, you know, is Colorado viewing themselves? Is he viewing this as an opportunity to get a, a, a stranglehold on the Pac-12 because USC is leaving? It's absolutely worth the risk for Colorado. Yeah, I mean, here's a program. Oh, yeah. Here's a program that has done essentially nothing. What is it? Two winning seasons in the last decade. I mean, let's. I, I mean, obviously the the program peaked under Bill McCartney, mm-hmm. but they did have some good run under Gary Barnett. Yeah, uh, you know, there's a team that that played in a Fiesta Bowl here, uh, challenged for a national championship. John Salama. It also shows you what a what a good hire the Dillingham hire was. Because I didn't see any peeps from ASU fans saying like, oh man, we could have had Dion. I we should have gone after Dion. You did say. I, I did. And there was people speculating about it on whether or not it would be a fit. And I don't think on the heels of the Herm Edwards experiment that that would have been a good fit. But I, I agree with you. It's a perfect it, it's a perfect roll of the dice for Colorado. It's a perfect a shot in the dark yes. roll of the dice. Why the hell not? Mm-hmm. What do we have to lose? 
because he's going to bring in some players now. Oh, yeah. I don't know if he can coach at this level. He already got a five-star recruit, a receiver coming with him. So There you go. We'll see. It's going to be interesting, if nothing else. And also, real quick, Vinny, the number one player in the country, the cornerback, Travis Hunter, Mm -hmm. who went with him to Jackson State, expect him to go with Dion to Colorado next season. Probably, yeah. Coming up next, uh, Sarah will help us get caught up on all the big stories of the day, the Rush Hour Reboot. It's Bickley and Murata mornings. Tim Ring in for Bick today here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Very happy Monday morning to all of you tuning in right now. Thank That's you so oxymoron. much for joining us. A Monday morning to you <laughs> here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Uh, this is the Rush Hour Reboot. Every single day at 7.30, we get you caught up on the top stories of the day. We've still got Tim Ring sitting in for Dan Bickley this week. Hello, Tim. Hello. Vince Murata here. How's it going? <laughs> And Jarrett Carlin. Told you I'm running out. You are. Non-de-medicar, that ball sure travel far, John Carlo. <laughs> Tremendous. <laughs> uh, let's start with the Phoenix Suns. They cruised past the Spurs yesterday, 133-95 in San Antonio. DeAndre Ayton went for 25-10. and 10. Devin Booker and Mikel Bridges each added 20 points. Uh, the Suns held San Antonio to an 11-point second quarter. Oh, oh, 11 points and another uh, notable 11. The Spurs have lost 11 straight and 16 of their last 17. Tim, you pointed out what I think everyone pretty much already knows about the Spurs. We assume that they are tanking for Victor Wembanyama, uh, And then uh, the Suns have uh, beat, beaten the Spurs, I should say, in seven straight matchups now. So not a lot of anticipation or drama between the Suns and Spurs anymore. Uh, meanwhile, the Suns have the Mavericks tonight. And Dallas, of course, has become one of those teams that Suns fans circle on their proverbial calendar. Certainly not a literal calendar anymore. Uh, How do you guys feel about the rivalries between the Suns and the Spurs and the Suns and the Mavericks? How how have they shifted in your eyes over the years? For me, the Suns-Spurs rivalry... um I treat the Spurs, I look at the Spurs a lot like I look at the Lakers. Anytime they lose a game, it's a good thing. They inflicted a lot of pain on the Phoenix Suns and their fans. So much. So that needs to be repaid from here until eternity. So (laughs) watching them score 11 points in a quarter and lose by, what was it, 38 points yesterday? 38. I like it. Um, the The Dallas rivalry is probably the most relevant of the Suns' rivalries right now. More than Warriors? Um, I think so. Because the Warriors, you know, have been dominant. They're the defending champions. Um, Dallas and the Suns are two teams that are trying to climb that mountain to get to the top. And I know the Mavericks do have a title, but it just seems like there's more heat with the Luka Booker thing than any other any other rivalry going right now. Yeah, currently there is. After what happened last year, and you can't get that image of Luka smiling at Booker on the free throw line, or Booker talking about the Luka special. I mean, there's some there's some meat on that bone right now. But historically, Vinny's right. I mean, what the Spurs have done to the Suns over the years. 
You know, the Spurs have still won 10 of the last 12 season series from the Suns. So there's always going to be something there. But the Spurs are so dead in the water right now. But maybe if they draft Wembenyana, that will that will change things going forward. I mean, this kid's a generational talent. I mean, he's going to instantly make them a uh, contender, I think, if, if he ends up there. I wonder if the Spurs, if they don't get the number one pick if Popovich retires. Uh, I would say yes. Great question. I would say if they get him, he sticks. If right. they don't, he does not. He's 73 years of, of age now and obviously slowing down. But I think if they get that kid, my my God, he'll yeah. stick around for four or five That'll more years. That'll charge your battery a little bit, That'll I think. charge it up. Yeah. That'll charge it up. All right, let's get to the NFL. No Trey Lance and now no Jimmy Garoppolo for San Francisco. Jimmy G uh, broke his foot yesterday, I believe it was. So it is the Brock Purdy show. Arizona's own. The very last pick of the draft this year. He has taken over in San Francisco. And as uh, you guys mentioned earlier on, Matthew Stafford very well could be done for the year as well. Rams coach Sean McVay said yesterday that the quarterback has a spinal cord contusion. Ugh. Not something you want to mess around with, and there's a good chance that he is done for the year. My spine! It's contused! Contused, yes. <laughs> uh, Geno Smith still going in Seattle. The Seahawks are 7-5 and five after their win over the Rams yesterday. So how do you guys see the NFC West shaking out with those season-ending injuries, injuries for Jimmy G and very likely Matthew Stafford as well? I'm still believing in the 49ers. Just in, and it's it's a two team race. Um, it, it's the 49ers and it's the Seahawks. They play in a couple weeks. I, I think they're going to make things as simple as they can for Brock Purdy. They still have that defense. They still have offensive playmakers. They're my team. Well, it's obviously a two team race. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that goes without saying. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of separation. I do think the Garoppolo injury. Like, if you're the Seattle Seahawks, you're sitting there going, like, okay, all right, this changes things. We're we we got a chance now to, to, to maybe stay in this fight and, and beat these guys when they come to town here in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. But I'm still, I'm like Vidi, I'm still all in on the 49ers. I think this defense is the, the best in football. I, I think we have enough weapons. Listen, we weren't winning games because of our quarterback to begin with. Uh-huh. Right. We were winning games for other reasons, and those other reasons still exist. So as long as Brock Purdy doesn't come out and throw it to the other team three times every game, mm-hmm. we're still going to win games for those same reasons that we were winning games before. Mm-hmm. And that's not going to change. And therefore, my opinions on the 49ers winning that division won't change as well. Okay. Uh, the Niners are 8-4, and four, by the way. The Seahawks are 7-5. and five. And then there's the drop-off to the Cardinals, who are 4-8. and eight. Uh, Let's get to some college hoops. We don't get to talk ASU basketball too often, but uh, the men's program is now 8-1 and one on the year with a four-point win over Stanford yesterday. 19 points from Desmond Cambridge Jr., 12 points from the other... Cambridge, uh, Devin. The Sun Devils are now 2-0, and by the way, in the Pac-12 for the first time since Bobby Hurley came to Tempe. That's wild to me. ASU was predicted to finish 7th in the Pac-12 this season, almost 10 games into the year now. Does that sound about right to you, or do you need to see more Pac-12 conference play before you can make a solid prediction? Yeah, I want to see more. I, I don't know how good the conference is this year. I think Arizona's pretty decent. UCLA is probably going to get their act together a little bit more. Uh, I think Oregon's down. I, I don't know how good the conference is. I think ASU could be in the upper third of the conference, but I okay. definitely I want to see more. ASU's got some athletes. They do. They get after you defensively. Yep. I was looking at some stats this morning. 
on the old interweb. Ooh, I've heard of that. Field goal percentage defense. This is nationally ranked now, not Pac-12. Uh-huh. Fifth. Fifth. Three-point percentage defense, sixth. Yeah, they held Stanford to 36% shooting. Frankie Collins hits big shots. I mean, so we'll see. I'm not saying that this this is a Sweet 16 team, but this is a team that can do some damage. I mean, listen, that record is is what it is for a reason. Yeah. So they're they're giving me a reason to watch and believe and hope this year. So, yeah, I'm I'm down. I'm down with the Devils. Down with the Devils? All right. Forks up. Marcus Bagley, I don't think, is down with the Devils uh, very much right now. Have we checked his Twitter, by the way? Uh, not not in the last two or three days. I have not. Oh gosh, what am I missing? Next no, I, year. Next year I was just is asking. next year is the year for Marcus Bagley. Stop that. And the he's coming back. He's <laughs> coming back. He's gonna be he's gonna be better next year. Next year. So Bobby Hurley said after ASU's win yesterday, um, he was asked about the status of Marcus Bagley, and he said, "Quote: At this point, Marcus has stepped away. We support him. That's all I'm going to say on it." What happens next for Marcus Bagley? Does he make it to the NBA? Do we see him playing overseas? Is he done playing basketball? What's his deal? Does he transfer somewhere? He's not done playing basketball. I would. Uh... Where does he? What does he do? What happens? Marcus, go to DePaul. That's what you should do. Go to DePaul. We Tim can... noted DePaul, man. <laughs> we can Don't be a devil. Be a demon. Yeah, go um, be a blue demon, Marcus. I could see him. I mean. If he transfers next year, it would be his fourth year in college. He still only played like 16 games as yeah. a collegiate. By the way, his, his Twitter account is gone. 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 Yeah, it gone. Does, does not exist anymore. What? Maybe that should have been the case before <laughs> all this started, Marcus. Yeah. Never tweet. I've heard so much about the talent of Marcus Bagley. And again, we've only seen him play 16 or 17 games for the Sun Devils. It feels like 16 or 17 minutes. Yeah. Seriously. And, and you watch him and you're like waiting for that breakout and it just never came. I don't know. I I, I, I think he ends up at another school. I, I would say the NBA is probably a big long shot at this point. He has to play somewhere significant time in yes, minutes. doesn't matter where he, it is. Before he can play in the NBA. He could yeah. be the type that goes to the G League. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. You know what I mean? That yeah. premier team in Vegas. Yes, I, I mean, what it's called. somewhere. G League. G League Ignite. G League. Ignite. Europe. Yes. College. Somewhere. You must play somewhere before the NBA will take you. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait, really? What? Wow, have I never heard this before? <laughs> I mean, they're just uh, taking That's guys off the street. Talk. <laughs> I but, could swear the Spurs my... had guys off the street yesterday. They may have. You can go to the Spurs. You, you must do that or go to the Spurs. <laughs> true, true, true. We're all rebooted. Thank you, you Sarah. Thank Rush you Hour Reboot every morning at uh, 730. Coming up next, one of the top teams in football apparently has a Cincinnati problem. We'll get into that. More NFL hash marks next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings. Tim Ring in for Bick today here on Arizona Sports, the local sports. Sports leader. Bickley and Marotta Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Marotta. Hash marks. Jamar Chase is in the backfield next to Burrow. Burrow wants to throw. Short pass. Caught at the five. Chris Evans into the end zone. Touchdown. Bengals. Yeah, the Cincinnati Bengals get a uh, Evans touchdown. They beat the Kansas City Chiefs again three straight times. The Bengals have beat the Chiefs, including in uh, the AFC Championship game. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs have a Bengals problem. They apparently do. They have a they have a defensive matchup problem against the triumvirate of Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, and T. Higgins. Most teams do. 
but they don't have three shutdown corners. <laughs> Most teams don't. <laughs> Most teams don't. But uh, that's a big win for the Bengals, who started off this season as the defending AFC champions, obviously, got out of the gates a little slowly. They you know, missed Jamar Chase for, for a bit. Um, that's a that's a big-time statement win for them. And you, you kind of touched on it earlier in the show, Tim, uh, that... You know, people have been talking about Kansas City and Buffalo, and those are the teams that everybody's got like a little star next to in the AFC, even though they're not the defending champions. That was a, hey, don't forget about us kind of win for the Cincinnati Bengals. 100%, right? Like, we could be the, uh, the spoke in the wheel, if you will. <laughs> this expected coronation of the Bills and the Chiefs meeting in the AFC championship game for the right to be in Glendale mm-hmm. uh, for the Super Bowl. You know, maybe Joe Burrow might have something to say about that. And now that also Lamar Jackson's hurt with Baltimore, Cincinnati might take that division. And I'm just, I'm just not all in on Miami as being a possible spoke in the wheel I'm not either. either. But the bank, I mean, Patrick Mahomes threw for 223 yards yesterday, one touchdown. Like, yeah, that's not that's not that's not Mahomes like. And it was a couple of uh, you know normally reliable Kansas City Chiefs that had big. I'm not going to say one. One was a mistake. One was unfortunate. But you're not going to see Travis Kelsey fumble that, that that football very often in that situation. And Harrison Butker during his career as you know a Kansas City's kicker, 55 yards has been a makeable field goal. He didn't make it. You saw the frustration from Patrick Mahomes at the end of the game, slamming his helmet into the bench. Uh, Patrick Mahomes did talk after the game and said uh, talked about the trust that he has in his head coach. I'm ready for whatever coach decides. Um, if we want to kick the field goal, I believe we have one of the best kickers in the league, so I'm going to give him the chance to kick the field goal, and if coach wants to go for it, I believe that we can make it happen as an offense. So whatever coach decides, I know he's been in these moments before. Uh, I'm going to trust in that, and we went with the field goal, and it didn't, didn't go our way this year, this time. Yeah, and, and looking at the big picture of the the AFC, it's getting log jammed. Kansas City still has the best record along with Buffalo at nine and three, but now you've got Baltimore and Cincinnati Cincinnati at eight and four. You got Miami at eight and four. I think of those three eight and four teams, Cincinnati is clearly the best. Um, you oh, know, no doubt. Miami's got the potential. I Baltimore, even with Lamar Jackson, I think eight and four was kind of kind of fraudulent. I don't think they're that good. Am I wrong there? No, I. I mean, they're good, but are they? And now Jackson, uh, according to John Harbaugh, could uh, could be on the sidelines for a bit. Lamar uh, has a uh, it's a knee, but it's not a season-ending type of knee. We'll get more tests tomorrow and let you know how long it's going to be. We'll see. Hopefully, I'll have something by for you tomorrow afternoon. Certainly by Wednesday, It'll be more definitive. But it's it's going to be a number, you know, days to weeks. We'll see. We'll see if you can go back this week. If not. It'll be sometime after that shortly. Yeah, Tyler Huntley has you know, impressed some people as the backup quarterback. It's, I don't think, as dire as the quarterback situation in San Francisco. Um, no, I, 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 I'm not necessarily personally a believer in Baltimore, but they find ways to win games. Uh, they're, they're a good football team. Tyler Huntley's a poor man's Lamar Jackson. Yeah. I mean, but they're just, they're not at the level of these other three teams. I don't think so either. Um, we had the return of Deshaun Watson to the football field yesterday. Uh, he got booed vociferously at his old home in Houston. The Browns did beat the Texans, but here was uh, Watson's reaction to the booing. I mean, they, they're supposed to boo. You know, I'm a Cleveland Brown now, so and we on the road, so they're supposed to boo. Yeah, that's uh, why they're booing. That's not why they were booing Deshaun. <laughs> 
Good grief. Uh, more from Deshaun Watson. I mean, it's been a long road, um, honestly. You know, it's just kind of from, you know, being traded. Uh, like I mentioned before, and, you know, Houston was is, is, is still part of me. It's part of my legacy. I got I got drafted here. So we went through a lot of ups and downs uh, with this organization. And, you know, being traded was, was tough, but, you know, it was a business decision. And it had to happen. So leading to that and then being my first game back here in Houston was was tough. You know, walking into the stadium on the opposite side of the of the stadium and locker room, it was different because I know exactly how those guys, you know, get ready for games and how they do the pregame, the talk and everything. So it was a lot of emotion, uh, a lot of just kind of, you know, just trying to keep everything in, um, knowing a lot of guys that, that's on that defense and on that offense. So, um, you know, it was tough, but it was, at the same time, it was very exciting to be able to just get my feet wet and just be able to just run around and take some hits and, you know, just see everything kind of happen full speed. And well, he, he was terrible, by the way. Yeah. 12 of 22 for 131 yards and a pick. I there's the rub. He certainly knows how to massage this situation. Oh. Look at that. Two references right there. <laughs> no, no. You don't have to be all sore about it. Um, how about the Browns scoring 27 points in an NFL win without scoring an offensive touchdown? That's not a reliable strategy. No. That is not sustainable. They had uh, a punt, Unless you play the Texans every week. A punt return for a touchdown from Donovan Peoples-Jones. Uh, and um, a fumble return from Denzel Ward and an interception return for a touchdown. It brings back shades of the Chicago Bears Monday night comeback against the Arizona Cardinals in the... You want to crown them? Crown them game. Shades of the Max Hall win against the Saints back in the day. Yeah. If you remember that game. <laughs> Did they score? They didn't score an offensive touchdown there. They, they or they did, but it was like a, a it was a, like a Levi Brown touchdown run. <laughs> I think you're right. Yes. And it was like a two yard scoring drive or something. Yeah, they like had that. A, they had a couple pick sixes. I think Kerry Rhodes had one, and then there was like a Levi Brown touchdown run. And Max Hall, I still and remember. Max Hall was like crowned the. The offensive next rookie of he was he won the offensive yeah. rookie of the week award, and he was crowned the next Kurt Warner. Uh yeah. <laughs> And then, and then it all that came crashing down. That did not quite work out. <laughs> uh, coming up next, we hit the eight o'clock hour. Suns versus Luca tonight. It's always special when those two uh, teams get together. Luca. We'll do it next. It's uh, Bickley and Murata mornings. Tim Ring in for Bick today here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.